This episode of Ready or Not is sponsored by Her Work, an Australian website where you can rate and review your current or previous employer on metrics such as pay, opportunities for development, flexibility, parental leave support, culture and diversity. Find out more at herwork.com.au. That's work spelt W-E-R-K. sister and she just seemed to be the absolute complete opposite of me in terms of fertility. I didn't have a great experience the first time around which had a massive massive impact on my maternity leave. My husband works a very very demanding job and works crazy hours so he was never around. I probably felt the loneliest I've ever felt. Joel was very upset and very apologetic and he said to me I'm so sorry I had no idea and that was massive for us. I've learned very quickly that returning to work as a mother is not at all the same like our brains just work completely differently. Erin Phibbs is a midwife, a childbirth educator and a mother of four. She has a twin sister who seemed to fall pregnant to the drop of a hat while it took her years. And she's had some very different births and maternity leave experiences. From a traumatic first birth and an intense and lonely first postpartum to a healing second birth and her husband taking six months of parental leave, she's experienced it all. Here, she shares what her husband learned from becoming the primary caregiver for a period how she navigated birth trauma as a midwife, and what transition she's found the most challenging. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the energetic and earnest Erin Phibbs. Erin, thanks so much for being here. You're a midwife, a childbirth educator, and a mother of four. Can you start by introducing yourself and your family? No worries. Thanks for having me, Lucinda. My name is Erin. I'm a midwife and a mother of four. I work in the hospital system in Melbourne as a midwife and then run my own business, uh, the Birth Trust, which is a childbirth education business. And yeah, look after my four little people. So I have a six-year-old boy, his name is Quinn, a five-year-old son, River, a three-year-old daughter, Winter, and a one-year-old daughter, Elliot. So keeping busy. <laughs> I actually am so intrigued as to how you manage all of this. But before we get into that, can you tell us about your career to date? Was midwifery always something you wanted to get into? I think growing up, I wasn't aware that midwifery was a thing. I didn't know what a midwife was. I definitely have since before I can remember being interested in like deeply passionate and interested in like womanhood and pregnancy and all things baby. But yeah, like I said, I didn't know that midwifery was an option. So that sort of carried on throughout childhood and adolescence and through school. But then I am also a very creative person. So at high school, I just sort of thought to myself that I would land myself a job in something creative design type of job. Um, I really, really liked graphic design and interior design. And when I left school, I ended up going to uni to do building design. So the idea was I couldn't decide between interior design or architecture. So I started building design and then 
was working at the same time and it's quite an intense course um, and ended up just burning out and getting glandular fever and then deferring and during that whole deferring period just realized it wasn't for me and that I didn't want to finish the degree so dropped out and applied for mid so somewhere in there discovered that midwifery was an option applied and then started studying the following year Um, just decided to do the straight Bachelor of Midwifery and um, continued to work at the job that I was at while I did my full-time study. Uh, So have always sort of put too much on my plate. But for me, that was the best way to do it in terms of I was already living with my partner and we were sort of renting and, you know, trying to survive. So I continued working almost full-time. I was working four days a week and juggling full-time study and got through it and here we are. So you have also a really educational Instagram account, but it's also a part of your business. Can you tell us a bit about the work you do through the Birth Trust? So the Birth Trust actually came about, was born out of my own interest in mid and me trying to keep my midwife hat on throughout um, maternity leave. So I started it in 2020, just sort of six or so months after I'd had our third baby. And it was in a stage where obviously COVID had begun And I had realized I'd extended my maternity leave. So rather than going back to the hospital when it was sort of really at its peak in terms of craziness, I had decided to extend my mat leave more so to protect our son River, who he's more vulnerable to respiratory illness. And we'd been in and out of hospital too many times to count. And I just thought it's not safe for me to go back to the hospital now. I'll extend mat leave, but I wanted to keep my mid hat on. So I started the birth trust purely out of interest, just in terms of things that I was learning and sharing um, midwifery information. And then people started messaging me saying, are you offering childbirth education? Do you do classes? And my response was no, but I could. Um, So I started um, my first, did my first class with someone that I knew and sort of got her feedback in terms of how helpful it was and was it what she wanted and then just tailored classes from there and decided that one-to-one classes was what I loved doing most rather than small group classes and yeah that's how it came about. So just to add another hat to the already many hats. Yes, that's right. Just to add another plate. Yeah. (laughs) I want to get into later how you manage your career in terms of managing your business, then working as a midwife and being a mother. But before we get into that, can you tell us a bit about deciding to fall pregnant that first time, especially from a career and work point of view? So my husband is probably more of a planner and more, I I would say, sort of quote unquote sensible (laughs) um, (laughs) than me in terms of timing. For me, um, like I said, growing up and like sort of early adolescence into um, my early 20s and things, I was in a hurry. Like I wanted to have babies from as soon as I knew I could have babies, I was like, I want one. And so it was really always Joel putting the brakes on saying, you know, wait, let's wait, let's do this first, let's travel, let's study. So he really sort of carried me through my degree in terms of making sure that I got it done. And then obviously I had my grad year to complete. And so got through all of that. And then it got to a point and we'd gotten married while I was at uni as well. And then it got to a point where it was like, well, can we start now? Can we, can we try for a baby? And he, he, you know, he sort of 
very loosely gave me the go-ahead and was like, yep, let's do this. And then it took years to conceive our first baby. Oh, wow. And you would have been like arguably on the semi-younger side, right? So perhaps something you weren't maybe expecting or? Yeah. So I don't know what it was, but for me, I always felt like maybe maybe just from experience, but I knew that that obviously was a possibility and mm, I was very I guess aware as well, you were that. so, exactly, you were so yeah. aware. Yeah, and I had a sense that, I don't know, that's maybe why I was in more of a hurry. Um, and, yeah, my husband always sort of brushed it off and was like, no, like you're young, you're fit, you're healthy, there's no reason why you should think that. Maybe you're just, you've just seen too much and, that you know, you know too much, you're just thinking a bit negatively about it let's just you know everything will be fine then yeah it wasn't uh Mm. so there was a bit of sort of guilt and stuff about that in terms of him having pushed it off for for a while um and we did all the all the things that we you know that you're supposed to do when you're sort of facing infertility and Mm. waited a while and tried and tried and tried and then really got linked in with um, fertility services and we were headed down the path of IVF essentially and it had been at that stage it had probably been close to two years and then I put my foot down and said I'd like to have a laparoscopy done and had that done discovered that I was riddled with endometriosis um oh, so it took it, really two years for the system to or for you to advocate for yourself to find yeah. that out yeah so it had been about a year I gave us like a, a good year of just trying and like mm. relax trying to sort of relax about it and think you know it'll happen and then yeah and then because I was being seen in the public system to begin with in terms of exploring the the initial sort of unexplained in, infertility uh, it did yeah it can take a long time so um, had the laparoscopy, discovered the endometriosis, had it removed. And the doctor, I remember him like trying to show me photos of my insides just as I'd recovered, like woken up in recovery. And I was obviously devastated. And he he said to me, you know, you've got about three months. If you haven't conceived in the next three months, I would just start IVF. And so got to the third cycle, wasn't pregnant um, we'd done all the other stuff like the counselling and everything else you have to do prior to IVF and we were ready to start a cycle and I just on a whim one morning thought what's one more negative pregnancy test um, did the test and it wasn't negative wow. so <laughs> it was like two days before we were due to start the cycle and yeah it was wild and exciting and I was nervous um, but yeah I I guess lots of planning went into Mm. like when we're ready to have a baby and then, you know, life happens and so it proves to you that you can't really plan that much in terms of when it might happen. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? How did that sit with you as someone that works so closely with babies and mothers? How did it feel showing up to work going through that personally? It was hard and I think probably not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like I was struggling a lot anyway. Um, I struggled with it more probably in amongst our family. Like I have a twin sister and she just seemed to be the absolute complete opposite of me in terms of fertility. So she could get pregnant at the drop of a hat and she'd obviously started having her family and um, having babies. And I struggled more so I think with that in that I felt like I was falling behind and I really had my whole life had hoped to be having babies when she was having babies and so that we could do it together 
Um, and so I was probably more twins too, right? Because you're so connected and you have been your whole life. Yeah. So I was probably more fixated on that rather than, um, what was going on at work. Like I would just show up for my shifts and I would be obviously be excited and happy for the people that I cared for at the hospital. But I think I was more affected by my experience with my sister and her having children. And then me, you know, meanwhile, trying so hard to fall pregnant that was that was probably the biggest challenge I'd say Mm, I can imagine and you go through all your milestones of ages I guess as a twin so that would be really challenging so then you do get that positive pregnancy test how does pregnancy go as a shift worker and a healthcare worker for you did you have any sickness or any challenges or was it smooth sailing it was pretty smooth sailing like I was incredibly lucky given what I know about pregnancy and how pregnancy can pan out for people I was super anxious, like the beginning of the pregnancy of anything going wrong. I thought if something goes wrong, we've we've tried so hard to get to this point. So I was a bit cagey about it all. I did let a few people at work know that I was pregnant because I was feeling quite nauseous and unwell. And I was being obviously very cautious of doing anything that or putting my body under stress or pressure. So a few people at work knew quite early on and they and people I was very honest with colleagues and friends at work about our journey through infertility and trying to get pregnant. So people were aware that I was sort of in that space. But once I got through sort of the first trimester and just that seedy sick feeling, I felt sort of better than ever. Like I'd never felt better. I was happier than I'd ever been. I was like heavier than I'd ever been I was like waddling around the ward like super proud of my big baby bump and it just yeah I had a great time I loved it I worked for as long as I could um they pretty much had to kick me out um (laughs) people were like why are you still here you can't be working this pregnant but I just I really loved it I felt a sense of like I could relate to these people now on a different level women there would ask me about my pregnancy and was it my first and I just really enjoyed speaking about pregnancy from that point of view in terms of having the personal experience as well um so yeah I really really enjoyed it I loved being at work pregnant and so then you do give birth to your first Quinn how does mat leave play out for you again you're a midwife you know so much more than most of us will ever know about birth you've probably seen a range of beautiful and scary experiences play out. How do you feel in the lead up to giving birth? And then how does newborn life go for you? The lead up was interesting. I don't recall feeling like over the pregnancy or like just waiting for it to happen. I I remember being incredibly excited for labour to begin maybe too excited. Like I tell people now, don't look for labor, like let labor find you. Um, because I certainly was just any sign. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm, you know, I'm in labor, which is not beneficial and doesn't really work in, you know, in a way, a positive way for the, the process of labor. So I did myself a little bit of a disservice there. Um, but yeah, I was really, really excited to experience labor and, maybe too excited I think I didn't have a great experience the first time around which had a massive massive impact on my maternity leave I labored for days and days and days and eventually went into the hospital and sort of wasn't progressing the way that I thought that I probably should have or would have been um, which is so common you know now in hindsight I'm like you know I did x y and z wrong but you can't really place that 
type of blame or pressure on yourself. So I, I've done things differently second, third and fourth time around. Hindsight is a beautiful thing, but I, I think I probably wasn't aware how massively your birth experience impacts postpartum until I'd experienced that myself. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the birth didn't go to plan whatsoever. I had an incredibly tough recovery and yeah, it had a massive, massive in- impact on postpartum. Oh, wow. Not exactly the learning you're after, but really interesting learning for the work that you do. So then yeah. when does return to work start to come into that for you? And how do you return to work as a mother now? It didn't. Um, so I had this awful recovery. I I ended up having a forceps birth and I lost a lot of blood and then required blood transfusions and was incredibly unwell and sort of in and out of hospital, in and out of hospital for, for about six months. Oh, wow. And uh, it impacted breastfeeding and all the rest. And so I ended up, I had an episiotomy and I had full wound breakdown. Um, so the episiotomy itself didn't heal. That's why I was sort of in and out of hospital. So I was... I was depressed. I was like, mm. incre- I, w- I felt humiliated. I felt like, you know, why me? All the things that you sort of put on yourself. It's hard enough too, right? And then you're a midwife. So I can't even imagine the extra yeah. pressure that you try not to put on yourself, but I imagine you do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely did. And my husband works a very, very demanding job and works crazy hours. So he was never around. I probably felt the loneliest I've ever felt. Mm. I didn't have a huge amount of family support. Like I said, my twin sister had young children. So she was there for me emotionally and sort of, you know, we would talk all the time, but not necessarily in person. And yeah, I think when it came to thinking about returning to work, it was like, it was not even on my radar. I was like treading water. Um, And then as soon as I had said to Joel through our struggles to fall pregnant in the first place I said I'm never preventing a pregnancy ever again until we are done so what ended up happening was essentially as soon as my peri had healed and we'd returned to having sex it was like well it's it's all it's it's on like if if I fall pregnant I fall pregnant and so I did fell pregnant a lot quicker than I thought I would which was not our plan we obviously thought it was going to be a struggle again so didn't realize that it would happen so quickly and then almost too quickly to even consider going back to work in between. So I didn't actually go back to work between our first and our second. Wow. So what was that gap for you or how many months postpartum were you when you fell pregnant again? I must have been about eight months postpartum, I think. Oh, wow. And you just don't expect that, as you say, like it was such an effort the first time. Yeah. Like you said, I was not expecting it at all. It was like, I, it was in the back of my mind in terms of the recovery from Quinn's birth and me knowing that I wanted more children. But the whole time, all I could think about was this infertility that we'd struggled with. And I thought it could be years again. I don't want there to be a massive gap. So of course, was trying maybe prematurely. But of course, fell pregnant quite easily, which was such a blessing. And it was off the back of that awful recovery. So didn't go back to work and extended my maternity leave into a second year. And obviously let work know that that's what my plan was. And that was fine. So yeah, I didn't actually go back to work until um, after I'd had River. And by then I was pregnant with my third. <laughs> oh, wow. This is amazing. I thought there must have been... um 
not much time between the kids because yes, they're all quite young. But right. that is quite incredible. So how did you prepare for your second birth after that pretty traumatic experience? There was a lot of sort of soft counselling going on, counselling of myself and debriefing with um, healthcare professionals about what had gone on. A lot of people said to me, if you turned around tomorrow and said you wanted to just book in a cesarean section, we wouldn't blame you at all. And, you know, it was very much everyone. I've I had all my babies at work, so I was being cared for by colleagues and friends. And so everyone sort of knew my story and I felt very looked after and like everyone was in my corner and knew was very understanding of what I wanted. So uh, the doctor that was caring for me um, during my second pregnancy, because that was high risk and it's another story but um it was a high risk pregnancy so I was actually being looked after in the fetal medicine unit and he had said to me if you wanted to book in a Caesar that's absolutely fine and it got to the point where I thought I actually think that I really need to try to have another vaginal birth to heal from what had happened the first time around so that's what we were aiming for and that's what we got I um, had a beautiful vaginal birth with Uh, friends and colleagues midwives who were just really rooting for me and um, knew what I wanted and how it to pan out Um, and it happened so it was incredible and you often do hear people going for that second birth where they want to perhaps reclaim some of their power back if they feel like they didn't have it in the first birth did that actually help to heal some of that trauma for you absolutely like I would say a hundred percent I Um, until then felt really sort of vulnerable and upset Mm. about what had happened. I had blamed myself. I'd blamed the system. I'd sort of gone through all the different scenarios of how it could have been and and why it wasn't that way. And then after River was born, it was like, it is what it is. It's happened, but he's here now and I wouldn't change it. You know, I I had an amazing experience with um, River's birth. It was actually an induction Um, so, you know, inductions don't get a great rap, but I'm here to say that, you know, you can have a a really positive, beautiful induction. Um, and for me, I think the fact that it was an induction is part of why I had such a positive experience Mm. second time around, because I felt not only was I heading into it with all this fear from the first time, but I felt a sense of control. Like I was in more control having set this date and knowing the process um, knowing that I was on the clock which are all the sort of negatives usually about an induction but for me they played out as positive massive positives and it was so healing it was exactly what I needed I think there's so many birthing people that will listen to this and feel a lot of encouragement if they have been through a traumatic first birth and also if induction is looking likely for them so yeah. I'm really glad that you shared that so you're now a mother of two yeah. so you go back to work and you're pregnant I was already yeah, I was already pregnant. So I had winter was an absolute surprise. So we were really struggling with two, the transition to two. And I, I mean, I can't even tell you how I ended up pregnant because we were not in a great place and we were renovating. We were doing all the things that you shouldn't do when you're not, you know, mm. in a great so place. Just a lot of pressure. So much pressure. Mm. Um, my husband was, like I said, he works he works crazy hours. I'm doing this by myself and it's incredibly hard. And then there was the pressure of the renovation and making decisions. And we'd actually ended up moving out of our house into a rental so that we could finish the renovation on our home. And then 
we, you know, muddled our way through all of that and then the excitement of being able to move back into our house. We moved back into our place and sort of loved it and had a great time and were really excited about moving back in. And then not long after we moved back in, I found out I was pregnant with Winter. And then it then there was all the stress and pressure of, well, uh, this house isn't big enough. and so then yeah we'd moved into this beautifully renovated house and it was exactly what we wanted but was no longer going to serve its purpose because there was not enough space for us so then there was the not only me returning to work pregnant and Joel still working crazy hours but the added um, stress and pressure of potentially listing the house and moving out Mm. Um, so yeah like I said we, we don't do things by halves and there's always a few plates in the air. <laughs> and so how old was River when you returned to work and how did you feel returning to work as a busy mother of two but also a pregnant mother of two? I can't even remember, to be honest. I can't Big tell you. Blur. He was very, he, yeah, it was a massive blur. He was very little because he was only 17 months old, I think, when Winter was born. Oh. <laughs> so that's that around. oh, so it was a similar, oh. very similar age gap to Quinn and River. Actually, no, here we, here, milestones <laughs> I can put, I just, so Joel had actually said during our first postpartum experience with Quinn at that one year mark, when I extended my maternity leave um, with Quinn, rather than going back in between our first and our second, he was sort of jealous. He was like, I want to go on parental leave. You know, he was working at a, um, a his, the place where he worked had really, really phenomenal family leave, um, very supportive of fathers taking primary care leave as well. And he really wanted to do it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to wean and stop breastfeeding. And I don't want to return to work while I'm breastfeeding, you know, with shift work. I just didn't want to add that to my plate. You know, by all means, it's doable and lots of women do it. And it's one of the struggles, I think, when women return to work. But I just didn't want to do it. So I said, no, let me enjoy this. I'm, you know, it's our first. And so I'd promised him that with our second, he could go on primary care leave Mm. um, and I would return to work. So that's how it actually happened. Rather than extending my second lot of mat leave, I went back to work pregnant with Winter and Joel did six months of um soul carer primary oh, amazing early. how did he find that experience did he learn a lot about what it is that we do when we're at home with young babies? yes <laughs> it was probably the best thing we've ever done like I would say for our relationship for our kids it was incredible for Joel obviously massive massive learning curve and so different to what he was used to in terms of his day-to-day but also great for me to be able to sort of get back to what I love and just be able to do it knowing that he was home with our children and not really Mm. having to work too hard to like find care and worry about you know who's picking up who and you know at what time it just was less stress um Mm. and yeah about two weeks into that experience for both of us I, I remember I came home from a PM shift so I got home quite late in the evening and all the kids were asleep and Joel was very upset and very apologetic and he said to me I'm so sorry I had no idea Um, and that was massive for us that was like that really makes me feel emotional I think my first period's coming and that makes me feel quite emotional most people I tell I have the same response because they're like that must be so validating and such a relief in terms of having a partner who really truly gets it 
Mm. Um, and I did. I felt like for the first time I felt like, wow, he understands this now. Like he knows how monotonous it can be and how, you know, obviously we love them with everything, but at the same time it's so hard and Mm. lonely and all the rest. So he expressed all of that to me and I just felt so much better knowing that he understood it from that point of view. Um, so it was really, really fantastic. And my return to work then I think couldn't have been better in terms of knowing that he was with the kids and he was finally sort of getting to know them because up until that point, he worked hours where I did jammies to jammies. So he would mm. be gone before they were up and he would be back well after they were in bed. So he really only ever got to see them on weekends and they were so little. River was so, so little and he wasn't even a year and a half old yet. And Quinn was, you know, not yet three and so yeah it was really really great for them to sort of start bonding that way and having more time together and for me to be able to return to work without the stress of having to organize where they were and what they were doing was great that's incredible I love hearing stories like that so when you do return to work how many days a week is it and do you are you just doing day shifts or are you doing a roster the way you used to how does that all work for a returning mother I returned to work point eight which is in our world for most midwives and nurses I think is pretty it's not full-time but it's pretty much full-time so it's four shifts a week oh yeah you'd Um, understand someone doing that without kids like that's still a very that's how most of us yeah Mm. so that's how most of us work pre-kids um and that's what that's that's the contract I was on pre-kids and that's just the contract I returned on obviously work are flexible and you can return to work on flexible working arrangements and things like that and they said you know are you sure you want to return to work that many days a week but I knew that it was probably the only time in my career where I could go back at that um, EFT while having kids because I knew Joel was there essentially full-time with the kids so I knew I wasn't going to get another chance to do it like that so I thought I'll go back as sort of full-time as possible and throughout the rest of this pregnancy so that I can work as much as possible get back into it and then to go on that leave again because I knew that I was essentially going to be on leave again for a a while after I'd had winter Um, and so it worked really well it was a lot I will say working shift work and working four shifts a week while pregnant and having two young Mm. kids at home is massive and probably not something I would recommend to many people Um, but it worked and I loved it I don't recall feeling um like I'd made the wrong move or anything. I I really, really enjoyed it. Work was so understanding of on the odd occasion I would have sick leave or something because I would just be exhausted and not be able to go. But I, again, I was pretty lucky with my pregnancy, felt well and just loved being back, loved sort of being back in the space and being back with friends and colleagues and talking all things pregnancy and baby. I love, really, really loved getting back to birth centre and looking after women in labour while I was pregnant that was something that was really special to me like being pregnant in the room with someone else pregnant who was just about to meet their baby I've always really enjoyed that I, I enjoyed that through my pregnancy with Quinn and getting back to that was great too. Was it hard for you to let go and let him take that leave? It's really tricky as much as we find it really hard I think unless I decide to have three children I'd probably be like oh I think I want those parental leave experiences and I want to breastfeed how did that all yeah. sit with you? 
Um, I did struggle a little bit to let go to begin with. I had time to sort of prepare for it because we'd had, like I said, we'd had that discussion first time around with Quinn and he'd really mourned that and he'd been, you know, like I said, he was almost jealous that he hadn't been able to take it the way I had. And he feels, he's always been of the view that, you know, parents are parents, whether you are the father in the relationship or the mother, like we should all get that time with our children and to be able to bond with them in those first early, you know, in the early years. So he just, I guess, advocated for himself and to be like, this is what I want. And I, you know, we didn't make it happen the first time around. You really wanted to do that. Fair's fair. I had been, my number one thing was I don't want to wean prematurely. Um, so that you can do it and I'd essentially said like that won't happen that's where I'm drawing the line and just by chance River had weaned by then and he'd applied for the leave and it just all worked out perfectly so I think I struggled more so from a I like things a particular way I'm very particular about like schedules and the way the house runs and all of those things and I'd gotten into the habit of like really doing everything you know, my way into a very strict schedule to just to manage because when you have two under two and you're running, you know, you're working and your husband works crazy hours, you have to be like that. Um, so to let that go and to try and let him find his feet and do it his way was definitely a bone of contention for us, but something that we were able to work through. Huge learnings for both partners too, right? Because letting go is a constant theme that comes up in these interviews. It's about we want them to be even with us and we want that 50-50 parenting, but a huge yeah. barrier for us is letting go and I think a huge barrier for them is becoming a lot more aware of what we do in relationships where maybe it does start out uneven because of work situations or whatever. So that's huge and a really great lesson. So yeah. now you're a mother of four. How does work yeah. look for you at the moment? What are you up to week to week? So I would say the last year has been just mental. Uh, like I said, the birth trust, um, I never really intended for it to be um, taking up too much of my time in terms of me being at dedicating too much time towards it. But I love it so much. I probably love it more than I thought I would in terms of education and educating new parents. And when I started out, yeah, I didn't think that it would, I'd be putting this much time and energy into it, um, but it has just unfolded that way. So I, it's probably not healthy, but I stay up. I mean, it's definitely not healthy, <laughs> but I, I feel like I've been living off a sniff of sleep for the last six years that I just continue to do that. So while I'm incredibly lucky that my four children sleep, I would say very well, I don't. So I could be taking full advantage of the hours of sleep that I could be getting, but I do silly things like last night, for instance, I came home from a PM shift at the hospital. I got home at about 11 o'clock and then was up until about 1.30 a.m. and then back up again early this morning to do, oh, wow. you know, get myself dressed and ready and get the four kids dressed and fed and ready and out the door for school drop-off. So yeah, I work around the clock. I don't think that it will be like this forever but I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it so at the moment it's working but definitely not something I would recommend to people in terms of it being a healthy work-life balance. I'm very very fortunate that my workplace has been incredibly understanding in terms of my return to work and shift work at the hospital so upon my return to work you know they they obviously are aware that I have four very young children and 
essentially just asked me what would work for me and what I wanted to do. Um, and they've been very, very accommodating with hours I can work and days I can work. And I think it's probably got something to do with the staffing crisis that we're having in the hospital system at the moment. So maybe it's a silver lining of COVID and the timing in terms of my return to work as well, but it's worked perfectly. Mm. Um, and I'm finding that balance of working two days a week at the hospital um, and then still feeling like I'm at home enough for the kids. None of them have ever been in daycare. So it's really just a juggle for Joel and I in terms of making that work for both of us in terms of him being available for his work and me being available for shift work at the hospital. And then I just fit birth trust clients in around everything else. Wow, so. that's that sounds particularly busy. I've heard of a lot of busy people on this podcast, but you might be the busiest. So from what your husband learned through those six months of looking after the kids, what do you think that's helped in terms of how your weeks play out now? I imagine he's probably gone back to really busy work hours, but with more of an understanding of what it takes to look after small people. So how has that helped in, I guess, your week to week? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been two massive sort of turning point the the biggest turning point for us in terms of work balance and having a family and being available for one another I think was that him taking um that sole carer and being full-time parent essentially for those six months had he not done that I don't know that any of life at all would be what it is today in terms of our balance and how we manage work and the kids he is very fortunate to be in a position where he can now be more flexible with his working hours. I also think that he's probably in a position now where he just demands more of that. Mm. Um, he does work in a role where the expectation is there that they just essentially work around the clock. Um, and it's always been that way even before we had kids. But I think for him having kids and then doing that six months of leave just made him realise that you know, you only have small kids once and what's really important to him, he needs to make a priority and he very much did. So he, like I said, none of the kids have ever been in, in childcare or daycare. It's just been, it's worked out like that for us in terms of my work and it not making financial sense, given that all four of them are so little um, and that we'd be paying for four of them to be in care. So, oh, I didn't um, even think of that. That would be uh, two grand a week or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, which is why we've never done it. So, we've always managed it in a way where I've returned to work or I only work um, when he's available to look after the kids. And so, so the other silver lining was COVID, I guess. Um, for us, it was a massive positive in that he started working from home and when he can. Um, he'll you know block off his calendar to be available to do drop-offs or pickups for, for our youngest or our oldest son who's in prep um, or who was in prep he's just started grade one today so um, Joel's been really sort of hands-on in that sense in being available and um, like I said COVID and the transition to working from home more has made that easy um, or easier and yeah I think everyone else just sort of realizing that you know, life goes on and that we all need to be more flexible with one another. I think that's been a massive thing come out of COVID is that everybody's realised, you know, you can actually be more productive or still be productive working from home and be more available to family and, you know, that kids need us. So, mm. 
yeah, it's been massive, but I think they're probably the, the two biggest milestones for us in terms of Joel taking leave and, and having that realisation and then also being available the last few years or more available the last few mm-hmm. years. That's really interesting as well because we hear a lot about how productive mothers are. So he probably almost learned that too from being the primary care caregiver for that period. He learned how to be productive in a way he probably never has too. And then I think yeah. COVID just really, as you say, like I think becoming a parent highlights how life is short and, you know, family and friends are important. And then COVID yeah. just like blew that Solidified up. Solidified that, yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. a really really nice learning so what's been the biggest challenge one to two two to three three to four or zero to one it's funny because I was just talking we were talking about this a lot um the last few days on Instagram and it seems to be a big topic because lots of people ask me and understandably because obviously I had four kids in five years um so for me without a shadow of a doubt one to two was the hardest like I think going from zero to one is hard, but in a different way. Like it's mm. just, you, you know, you're sort of muddling through and you're like, it's, it's all new. Whereas I think one to two for me personally was the hardest. Cause like I said, we'd not in my relationship, not had that realization of how tough it can be, especially having two under two, um, not having any family help and not having Joel around to help me. I felt so isolated. I was almost like, it sounds awful, but I was bored. Like I just felt Mm. like I, I felt like I'd completely lost myself. I wasn't doing anything in terms of my own mental stimulation to, to be happy in my, Mm. like just for me. Mm. Um, You just have service to little people. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I was happy being a mother and like, I loved them with all my heart but it was it's that I think monotony of motherhood that then you've been doing it for so long that you think like what now it can't you get to a point you're like this every single day is the same that's really Um, interesting I've never thought about that because I'm a mother of one and he's nine months old so I guess every day is still sort of new but then you're adding to your family it's like it's still amazing and it's still different for each kid but it's like it's different it's not the first novelty of everything that's right but you're just doing it all again and you're like you're going through the motions and sort of treading water especially if you have them close together because you you still sort of wanting to find joy and experience all the all the firsts with your firstborn because they're still quite little but at the same time you're trying to juggle you know if you're breastfeeding like Mm. we all know breastfeeding doesn't it's not a quick job you know especially with a newborn you need to be able to sit down and actually you know tend to this baby that Mm. needs to be fed but you're trying to watch the other one and yeah I really really struggled with that balance of like my time between the two of them and time for myself and you know running a household and uh, like caring for myself like I just I felt like I'd really run myself into the ground Mm. and um probably wasn't ideal timing maybe not everyone has that experience of the transition to one to two but it's just a real juggle and a learning curve in terms of you are well and truly outnumbered you know there's one of you to to two kids and um especially if you're doing for the most part all of it by yourself um yeah it can be incredibly difficult I'm so glad then that you got that experience not to go on about it, but for your third where your husband could step in because that would have been such a huge time. So if I can take you back to, I guess, those early days of returning to work as a mother and a shift worker, what advice would you give to someone 
returning to work under those you know intense conditions where you might be working overnight or you might be on your feet all day and you're pregnant and you're already a mother what advice would you give to midwives and nurses who are parents as well um I think not to be too like I think to show up authentically is the best advice in terms of everybody actually understands like we we go through the motions thinking nobody else understands nobody gets it like this is you know and I'm so guilty of it I always say like you don't understand to Joel and he's like I I actually kind of do and I think it's the same in a workplace especially in healthcare and especially in midwifery Um, you know a lot of midwives are also mothers um, and they get it like they 100% understand the workload they understand the stress and the pressure that we put on ourselves at work as midwives to provide the best care possible and if you're not able to show up the way that you want to for those shifts then don't like it's you know we work as a team and we work collaboratively for that purpose and for those reasons. And if you are feeling unwell or you're feeling run into the ground or exhausted, I know there's staff shortages and all the rest of it, but it's there's no point in putting so much pressure on yourself that you're going to end up burnt out and not being able to show up at all. So I think really taking care of yourself and listening to your body, especially if you're still kind of fresh in that postpartum period and you've gone back to work a little bit sooner, Mm. um just be easy go easy and just be kind to yourself because it's not the same like I've learned very quickly that returning to work as a mother is not at all the same like our brains just work completely differently you know you've probably got 7,000 tabs open you're not just thinking about work and what you're doing you're probably also thinking about what's going on at home who's doing what are they napping have they been fed do we have enough nappies do I need to stop for things on the way home mm. so it's very very common you're not the only one doing that you you you've just got to be kind to yourself and realize you know ask for help when you need it um, be honest about where you're at in terms of work and and how much you can put into it that's great advice. And for my last question for you, if you could give new mum Erin any advice now, as you said, hindsight is a beautiful thing. So mm-hmm. if you could give new mum Erin any piece of advice as a now mother of four, what would that be? Oh, I for me, and I know it's the same for so many people, but sleep, newborn sleep, <laughs> like newborn and baby sleep is just it, it sends us all mad. I don't, I've never met anyone that hasn't actually been sent mad by trying to get their baby to sleep and, and in turn trying to get themselves enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, if I could go back and tell her anything, it's just to forget about it. You know, your baby will sleep when they sleep. They're not going to be in any way sort of damaged by lack of sleep. They'll sleep when they need to sleep. And I think all babies are different and we get very hung up on, you know, sleep needs and wake windows and all the rest of it and can send ourselves mad. And I definitely did. Like I sent myself insane with my first because he very typically of babies just wouldn't sleep more than 40 minutes. And for me, I just got hung up on it and I spent too much time and energy thinking about it. And I wish that I'd enjoyed my time with him just as a mother of one and really really soaked up that first year with him rather than staying home and forcing naps and trying to link sleep cycles and all the rest of it so I would say go easy enjoy the bits that you can 
yeah, try not to hyper focus on sleep. <laughs> God, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Erin, I've absolutely loved hearing your story. So much of this has actually been a surprise to me. So it's been really cool to hear about your very varied and amazing experiences. Where do people find you online? Uh, so I can be found on Instagram at the birth trust. Um, so just the birth trust. Um, and that's where I'm usually um, accessible to people if they want to sort of DM me. Um, of course, they can email me. There's a link there. And for anyone wanting to book into um, childbirth ed classes, there's a little book now button on my bio too. So I'm pretty easily contactable and up at weird hours. So contact <laughs> me anytime. <laughs> so we'll DM you at 2 a.m. Yeah, and you'll probably get a reply. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. This episode of Ready or Not was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land.